Amen. Amen. Y'all go ahead and take a seat. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. On this wet and muggy day, the spirit is alive on the inside, all right? So I'm going to throw a party in here, uh, and hopefully you can uh, get some rejuvenation as, as you go back out into the mugginess of the world. Uh, if you're new, please fill out the Connect card on your seat. We would love to get connected to you. There should be one either on your seat or next to you somewhere. So you might actually have to talk to someone that's sitting around you. It might happen. So if you would like to connect with us, we would like to connect with you. Please fill that out. Pass it in. Also, uh, reminder, we're going through the core values for three weeks. So go ahead and have your Fill the City book that you can use for sermon notes and be encouraged by what God is doing. All right, so how many of you uh, have said or, you know, you've been in a convo with someone who says something like this, hey, I'm spiritual but not religious. So I love that one. I'm spiritual but not religious. There might be many of you in the room who maybe said that at some time or you might be watching you think, man, that's how I would describe myself. Uh, this, I would say, is the motto of the age. This is the theme under which we live. I'm spiritual but not religious. I think this can mean a variety of things in a variety of ways to a variety of people. I think one of them means that I love Jesus, but I don't go to church. So I don't like the church. Uh, this could be because of church hurt. This could be because of selfish reasons. This is a variety of things. But I love, I'm down with Jesus, but I don't really like church or anything formal or structured. You know, it's just me and my homie. Jesus is my homeboy. You know, and it's that, that kind of vibe. There could be that. It, it could mean, listen, I'm just open to the spiritual world. Don't really know what I believe. Not really set on anything. I'm just kind of open, you know. So I'll go to church. I'll play with the Ouija board. You know, whatever, like, whatever. I just, I'm open. I'm spiritual. I do spiritual things, you know. And I float around like a spiritual butterfly from one spiritual experience to another. I mean, that, that could be it. Uh, it could mean a lot of different things. Some of us may have used that phrase about ourselves before because we're searching and trying to define what's going on in our lives. And many people around us obviously use these kinds of phrases even if they don't believe in God. Uh, there's something about us that is unwilling to let go of the spiritual reality of our life. I think this is important for us to understand because no matter what we think about religion as a human race, no matter what we think about church or no matter our different doctrines and ideas of God or all the different ways that humans kind of gather around spiritual things, we innately desire something supernatural. I think that phrase in and of itself shows us that we desire a relationship with something that we can't see, that we innately know there's something more going on around me than what I can feel and touch, that, that there's something about us that shows us there's something more to me than flesh and bones. There's something, whether you wanna, if you want to call it a soul, there's something about me that wants to connect to a spiritual reality that no matter what you believe or what kind of background you come from, I think this points us to the fact that we are spiritual beings made for some engagement in a spiritual world, which is why even if some people don't believe in God, they're still unwilling to let go of the desire to be spiritual. This teaches us something about human nature, and there might be many of you in this room or watching online who would describe yourselves as spiritual but not religious. And I hope to give some direction to your spirituality this morning to help you find what you're actually looking for. And there also might be some of you who are more sure about what you believe. You're more sure about God and 
the way you get saved and about Jesus, about the church. Um, you're very involved. You're pretty dogmatic about these things. You're more sure and certain about your spirituality, but at the same time, you long for something more than you're experiencing now. There's something you feel like is missing. You, you hear stories about what God has done. You, you read the Bible, and it seems very like spiritually alive and vibrant. You, you've talked to other people about their experiences with God, and it seems pretty supernatural. And then you look in your own life and experience, and everything seems pretty dry. It feels pretty natural, like, like your, your Christianity feels pretty natural. Like it doesn't feel very supernatural to you. It doesn't feel very alive. And you, rightfully, as you should, you long for something more. You say, man, I have all these doctrines in order, but my relationship, my life, my spirituality is dry, and I want something more alive. So whatever category you fall in today, whether you're spiritual but not religious, whether you're confused and seeking and trying to learn, or whether you're pretty sure about what you believe but pretty dry in its reality in your life, Either way, I want to help give all of us, myself included, some direction for these spiritual desires in our lives. I want to help us live a supernatural life and to be a supernatural church. This is what we are after. So as we look at three of our core values today, this is the theme of these three put together. So like I said, we're taking three weeks just to return to our core values and remember the things we believe that we agree upon together, the things we want to live out and Last week we did number one, and this week we're going to do two, three, and four, which are we are dependent on prayer, we are occupied by the word, and we are led by the spirit. These three things join together to create a supernatural life that has supernatural power and supernatural results. Word, prayer, and spirit. And so I want to show you a diagram real quick to explain something that uh, we've explained before in the beginning. I want to make sure that we're back on this. This idea of word, spirit, and prayer, and the people of God coming together to find the sweet spot of that. So if we can put the diagram on the screen there, Scott, we'll, we'll look at that real quick so that you can understand what we're actually trying to talk about. So the sweet spot of a, of a human being, really, so certainly of a Christian who's already agreed upon these things, but this is reality no matter what you believe. So a sweet spot of humans is made to be in the word of God living by the Spirit of God with the people of God. This is the sweet spot of a human being, right there in the middle. Word, Spirit, people. And think, you could sub prayer in for the people, so it's the people who pray, all right? So when the people get together to pray, these are the three elements of a supernatural life, and actually it's a sweet spot for your existence. And the more you learn to live by the Word, led by the Spirit within the people of God as a praying people, you will actually live according to your design. So even if you don't believe these things yet, I'm here to tell you this is how you were made to live. This is why things just aren't working yet. It's because that's the sweet spot of your life. Now, I want to help get us all on the same page for what kind of church we are aiming to be is that we want to find the sweet spot of the Word and the Spirit united with the people who pray. Let me tell you two of the dangers that happen with this kind of thinking. Uh, the first danger that happens with churches or with people is you have a group of people who just slice off half of that and their word and people. So people who love the word, who are very dogmatic about the things that they believe, but there's no spiritual vitality within the doctrines. There's no spiritual life. There's no 
understanding or teaching on the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of uh, rejection of what the Spirit might do because that includes a lot of nuance, kind of ambiguous at times. It's a little subjective. It's not as certain. So think about these people as, and this is all of us fall one way or the other. So when I say these people, I'm talking about half of you. And when the other one I say these people, I'm talking about half of you, okay? So we're all included in this. That's not those people. It's these. Okay, we all, we all well lean one way or the other, right? So don't be sitting there and say, yeah, those people. Like, no, 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 no. These people, okay? This is how we fall off the wagon, okay? This is us, all right? So you have word and people. Now, this is my, my type A people who like to live within a box, okay? Everything has boundaries and limits and structure, okay? It, it should be able to box off. And so you love the fact that you can read the Bible. There are words on a page. You can understand it with your mind and try to live it out. And you want to keep things within that box. Uh, the, the possibility of the Holy Spirit just completely wrecking everything is just, you know, you're not really down for that. And you're just not really sure about what to do with that. Uh, and the whole idea of God's presence and something you feed, just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with all that. So that's, that's one side. I would call that cold Christianity. So you got the facts. There's no heart. There's no vitality. There's no life. Your doctrines are all squared away. You can tie them up in a bow. You can explain them to everybody, but there's no life. No life. That's one way to, to miss the whole equation, all right? And that's half of you. And then the other way is when you just have people in spirit and you leave the word out. Instead of cold Christianity, this is emotional Christianity. The idea is now I become a person who seeks spiritual experiences. Apart from the sure foundation of the word of God, my goal is not to understand the word, but it's to get an experience. And that's a group of people here when they're, the word of God is certainly given a head nod, but really the goal is in a spiritual experience with God. These are people who love good vibes, you know, and are all about the goosies. And when they're trying to show up, when I say, let's, be, let's become more aware of his presence, they're yeah, spirit fingers, okay? They're like, yes, 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 I want this, all right? And once again, this is good. So loving the word and having doctrine, wonderful, not bad. Uh, loving the presence of God and walking by the spirit, also wonderful, okay? Uh, but when you do these two things separate from one another, it has a lot of dangers, so if we seek just spiritual experiences, then we're people of uh, uh, emotions who are kind of being led by our feelings. Our feelings are important. They're just bad leaders. We say it all the time, right? Your feelings are important. Your feelings matter to God. You should feel things, okay, about God. That's important. You shouldn't just believe things. You should feel things. But at the same time, your feelings can be very fickle, and they're very bad leaders. Uh, and so we have the spirit and people, and your natural, your natural disposition is good vibes. You're looking for spiritual experiences. And then you have word and people, and your natural disposition is no vibes. Just give me the truth, all right? I just want my box, okay? Uh, there's downfalls both ways, cold Christianity or emotional Christianity. What we want to do is the sweet spot in the middle where a group of people on the firm foundation of the word are living a life in the spirit have both truth and life. We want a people who believe the truth and who come alive to it. We want to be a people who follow the word of God and who walk in line with the spirit of God as a people who pray together. This is the sweet spot of the Christian life. And I want you to think about it this way as well. That the word provides an objective truth outside of you and me that we build our life upon. So it doesn't change. 
what God has said doesn't change based off your experiences. It doesn't change based off your feelings. It doesn't change based off whether you even believe it or not. The word is objective. It's true. It exists outside of you. No matter what you think or how you feel about it, it's still true. It doesn't matter. It's true. So upon this objective box, we build our life. But you're building a life of a subjective experience with God. You have a relationship with God. He speaks. You speak back. We have a relationship with one another. We have experiences together in the spirit. And the Lord is speaking and leading and conviction. And all these things happen. Upon this sure foundation, you build a life that has a lot of nuance. It's relational. And so those of you who love objectivity, you have to learn to engage in a subjective reality that your relationship with God might be a little messy sometimes. What God does in a room might not be understandable all the time. Like what, how the Lord might be leading and prompting you in your life, it, that's, that's a subjective relationship with God built off of the sure foundation of what I know God has already said. So we build a, a church off of the objective truth, not off of our feelings or preferences, but we live as a people fully alive in a relationship with God. We're not people who believe doctrines. We're people who love Jesus. And our doctrines are unto love. They're unto a relationship. We believe the right things so that we can have the right relationship with God, not so that we're right when we talk about it. And so that's why it's so important for us to be a word and spirit people who pray. That's the sweet spot, objective truth, subjective relationship experiences with God. And so all of us then are growing into maturity to say some of you are all vibes and you need to get in the word of God and put some boxes around your life, okay? Can't walk around feeling feels all the time. And then there's some of you who are all boxes and you need to break out and give room for the Holy Spirit to have a relationship with you. That things might not go like you think or that the Lord might speak to you in a way that's unexpected. These type of things are very important for us. This is the kind of church that we are pursuing. This is the kind of people that we want to be, word and spirit people who pray. This is what it looks like based off the word to be mature in the faith. All right? So just to come back to that all the time. This is what we're pursuing. This is why the word is so important. This is why our desire for his presence and being led by the spirit is so important. This is why these values exist together. Now, another important thing about this series, because I, I want to make sure we're rooted in the reason why these things are important, uh, a phrase I'll use sometimes is that the assignment is alignment, meaning that our unity and mutual understanding is the primary assignment of the church. That our, our being unified and staying unified, having a mutual understanding, being on the same page so that we can move forward, love one another, love God, all these things that we're supposed to do, those things happen better when we're more unified, when we're more aligned together. And so returning to the things upon which this church has been built, reminding us of the things that are important to God are the very essentials of us staying unified because there's a million different things that can come and divide us and a million different preferences and political policies and all the reasons why we would have to be divided that will divide us if we're not strongly united in the most important things. So if we're going to stay effective as a church, we have to stay on the same page. An example I give for this just to help us understand is, you know, you've been in a book study and you're hanging out with people and somebody's like, hey, look at page 55, second paragraph, it says blank. 
And then everybody's looking, and they're like, that's not on mine. They're looking at each other, that's not on mine. They're like, what? It's not on the same thing. And the guy's like, well, you know, it's in my Kindle, you know? My Kindle, page 55. And everybody's like, oh, I can't. The Kindle, for some reason, I still don't know if I could talk to Amazon people. The Kindle pages are not the same thing as the real pages. I have no idea why. But you, get, you're, you have this reality now where you're in the same book, but you're not on the same page. Therefore, you're misunderstanding each other. And the same thing is possible to be in the same church, but not on the same page, and unable to understand and move forward together. Therefore, as time goes, and as a church does a bunch of different things, it could be where I end up on page 56, and you're on page 27, somebody's already on page 105, and you're like, okay, we're in the same church, but we're actually not on the same page. We're not able to understand each other and move forward. So therefore, we come back to these things as essentials, so that we can get back all on page, you know, 55. We're all together understanding each other and we can move forward. This is very important. Therefore, it is something that we will do often. The final thing to say is that these values, remember, are not the values of City Light per se. They are the values of Jesus that City Light is adopting and focusing on. It, the goal is not that you would become a good City Light person. The goal is that you would become a good Jesus person that you would be a follower of Jesus, these are pulled straight from the scriptures. These seven values seem to summarize and give big buckets for the main priorities to God. And we pull them back into our life and we say we're going to prioritize these seven things that Jesus has prioritized. Like I said last week, think of them as seven pathways to obedience. Seven ways in which you can be conformed to the image of God. Seven practical things to think about when you're following Jesus. So the goal is to make us Jesus people, not city light people. All right. Now, with all those things understood, I want to look at the scriptures today. We're going to be all over the place as we discuss this particular reality, but we're going to start in John. So go ahead and open your Bible to John chapter 6. All right. Verse 63. Just going to look at one verse. We're going to break it down for a little bit at first. So Jesus says in John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. This is extremely profound. The first part of this, he says, it is the spirit who gives life. The very central sentence, this is literally the key to life. It is the spirit who gives life. What is real life? What does it mean to be fully alive? What does it mean to be vibrant, to be connected to the world around me, to be fully alive in my purpose? What, what does it mean to be totally who I'm supposed to be? What does that mean? How does that happen? How do I come fully alive? How do I maximize my existence and my spirituality? Well, here's the answer. It is the spirit who gives life. Now, here's what we do. Listen because this is true to your experience. Everything you ever do is an attempt to come fully alive. Everything. The reason why you give in to certain temptations and desires of the flesh is because there's a part of you that thinks, if I do that, I will come fully alive. Right? That's the reason. It's not because you're like, oh, well, that would be great. No, no, no. You're thinking, well, I feel maybe bored, dull, deadened, you know, and if I do that, I will come alive. 
That's the reason why we're willing to like betray people, step over people, hurt our friends and family. We're, we're willing to give up the morals that we hold to and certain things that we certainly don't. The reason why is because it's so compelling to us to experience something to come fully alive that we're willing to do anything at any cost to have that experience. That's the whole thing with the world. What can you do to come fully alive? And if you sleep with enough people and have enough money and have enough success, these are the means by which you're going to come fully alive as a human. Everything you ever do is an attempt to come fully alive, to come alive to your reason why you're here, to come alive to pleasure, to come alive to purpose, to come alive to your existence. The reason you do anything that you do is an attempt to come fully alive. That's the reason why we struggle so much. It's the reason why sin is so tempting. It's because it is innate with us to access some reality that we currently do not and to experience being fully alive. Vibrant, full of vitality, having an experience that tells me, well, this is why I exist. This is what the world is seeking. This is what you and I are seeking. It is the question of our existence. How can I come fully alive and the answer is, it is the Spirit who gives life. Let me show you this from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 say, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And if you pause and meditate for a second and consider that there was lifelessness, and darkness, formlessness, and a giant void. And the Spirit of God is hovering. And as soon as God begins to speak, the Spirit makes the world come alive. It is the Spirit who gives life from the very beginning to the world, and therefore it is the Spirit who gives life also to you and to your heart. It's like a phone charger, you know? It's the very thing that actually ramps you up. It's the very thing that gives you life. You know, I don't even have to explain this to you. You know innately that there's something dead in you, in the inside. And so you're trying to charge yourself up through all these experiences in life. Well, maybe this will get me up to 100%. Maybe this will make me fully alive. And you're trying all these different things, but they're not working. And the reason is because the Spirit of God is the charger of your life. You have to plug into the Holy Spirit to get access to life. Otherwise, you'll stay dead. It is the Spirit who gives life. Now, the second part of this sentence is very important also because he says the Spirit is the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh is no help at all. He does not say, and the flesh is somewhat helpful sometimes, you know, and the flesh is helpful here and there. No, no, no. He says it's the Spirit who gives life. And the flesh is no help at all, even your fleshly efforts at being spiritual. Listen, being spiritual but not religious doesn't make you spiritual at all. As a matter of fact, you cannot make yourself spiritual. You can't do that. It is literally impossible for you to make yourself spiritual. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter all the weird things you're willing to do. It doesn't matter how much you go to church. It doesn't matter any things that you do in the flesh. 
you are unable to create spiritual life within your soul. You are unable to be spiritual. It is the spirit who gives life, and you and me are no help whatsoever. My attempts to make myself come fully alive, even spiritually, are literally worthless apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot make yourself spiritual, just like you cannot make yourself a dog. You can't do it. It's impossible to you. And so now the question becomes, well, if, if spiritual life by the Spirit is what I'm here for, but I can't create it or access it, what am I supposed to do? I want you to consider as well this idea about how your flesh is no help at all because this is going to teach us how to handle what the world is constantly discipling into every day. The idea that obviously if you follow your heart, you'll come fully alive. Now, if it's true that the flesh is no helpful at all, not helpful at all, then it would also be true that following your heart is not going to help you. If the goal is to come fully alive and your flesh is not helpful, then your heart, which is who you are, flesh not just meaning skin, meaning you, me, then your heart is not going to lead you to a place to come fully alive. If you are not helpful to yourself, then looking inside of yourself to try to find yourself is not going to work. You will not be able to make yourself come fully alive. But the world is constantly telling you, well, if you would finally express who you are, if you would finally be what you know you are on the inside, if you would finally live according to your own passions and interests, if you would finally look inside of yourself and follow the promptings of your heart, then you will find success and come fully alive. And they'll say the reason why you're not fully alive, the reason why you're not experiencing life to the full is because you're suppressing who you really are and you need to let that person live out. And this is true in a variety of ways for all of us in our different struggles and feelings and thoughts about ourselves. But hear me now, following your heart will not make you come alive, but following God's heart will. This is why we are led by the Spirit, because it is the Spirit who gives life. Do you want to fully come alive? Do you want to find the reason for your existence? Do you want to maximize who you are? Do you want to be everything that you were meant to be? Do you want to find the meaning of life? Do you want to walk in fullness of life? Then do not follow your heart, but follow God's heart. You will lead yourself astray, your flesh me and you, our flesh, our way of thinking, our thoughts about how to come fully alive simply lead to death. But God's heart and God's thoughts about coming fully alive lead to life. It is the spirit who gives life. And your flesh and my flesh are not helpful at all. This is also true in terms of salvation. That you and I have no ability whatsoever to save ourselves or to please God. It is innately impossible for us in our flesh to make ourselves spiritual enough to be acceptable before God. You and I have no ability, no matter how much we go to church or how much money we give away or how many things we do, no matter what we do, it is impossible for you and me to experience oneness with God in and of our flesh. It is the Spirit who does this through faith in Jesus. And that's how many of us began our faith. Those of you in the room who do know the Lord, you, you finally got to a point where you said, 
man, none of these other things are working. And I want to be fully alive. And I've tried this and I've tried that. And I realize that it's my sin and myself that's actually getting in the way. And so now I repent and I turn to Jesus. You didn't wake up and like conquer and say, I will overcome and I'm, I'm going to become a Christian today. No, 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 no. You said, that's it. I'm helpless, hopeless, and messed up. Jesus, will you please save me? You didn't wake up, oh, I'm going to become a Christian. Yeah. No, you thought, man, I'm so, I've tried and it doesn't work. And I realize I'm a sinner and I can't help myself. And the only option I got is the Son of God. Jesus, will you have mercy on me? That's how you started. And some of you, that's how you need to start today. It's the spirit who gives life. You keep trying to earn yourself credit with God. And it's not going to work. God wants to give you salvation as a gift, but you have to turn and trust in Jesus. And for those of you that have, how in the world could you start by saying, I'm totally dependent on God. I don't trust myself. All the decisions I make are bad, and they lead to bad things. My heart is so wicked, and I need the Lord to save me from myself. And you turn, and you fall on him, and you thank him for being merciful to you and kind and gracious. That's how you started. And then somehow we think we progress beyond that, where we have some wisdom and stuff. We can trust ourselves in our relationship with God. But isn't how you started with God? Shouldn't that be how you finish? Isn't that how you should live? Just depending on the Lord. You need his mercy. You need his grace. You don't trust yourself. You need God to save you and to help you every day of your life. You are dependent upon the mercy of God. And if that's how you started, then that's what it means to live by the Spirit now. But you think you've made progress. And you trust yourself. No. No, 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 no. To live dependent upon God, following your heart is always a bad idea. It will not make you come alive, but following God's heart will. We are led by the Spirit. Now, this is important because, okay, we have that reality. We think, okay, that's what I want. I want to be fully alive. I want to be fully alive to, like, why am I here and what am I supposed to be doing with my life and how can I live to the maximum of my existence and what does it look like to be fully alive, vibrant, in this world. That's what I want. That's what we all want. And if it's the spirit who does that, and it's the spirit who gives life, and my flesh is not helpful at all, then, then what am I supposed to do? What am, I, what am I supposed to do in this? And many of us then begin to take a, a passive route where it's like, well, okay, I'll, I guess I'll just sit on the couch, eat potato chips, and hope the spirit just makes my life come fully alive. You know? Maybe I'll just sit here and scroll Instagram, and maybe a reel will pop up that makes me come alive, you know? We begin to get passive in the work of God in our life, thinking that God's going to step in and do things when God has given us means to experience what the Spirit has done. The idea is that we position ourselves within the way of God to experience the full power of the Holy Spirit. Your flesh is not helpful at all, but what God says to do is very helpful, and when you do it, the Lord steps in with supernatural power. This is very important because so often I... There's this idea or this like thought with people that there's some like secret Christianity and spiritual experiences and the presence of God and, and like how do you get that and like how do you access that thing and, and how do you how do you have this great relationship with God? Like how how do you get that? Like there's some like secret sauce or some 
special place you're supposed to go or some special thing you're supposed to do. And, and that's not it at all. What we're going to look through now is like two things God has told you to do, what Hudson Taylor calls an open secret. It's like wide out in the open, but we treat it as a secret as to how to access this supernatural, beyond myself, otherworldly kind of life. But we think about it totally wrong as if there's some special thing that I'm supposed to grab hold of that's going to give me access to these special powers, you know. It makes me think of uh, Nacho Libre. How many of you have seen Nacho Libre, okay? All right. Y'all a bunch of liars. Have y'all not? Okay. Anyways, so I was watching this movie the other day with my kids, okay? So we were scrolling Amazon video, and I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to mention that I watched Nacho Libre. I'm pretty sure it's clean the whole way through. I can't think of anything. You know, as a preacher, you're always like, what should I? okay. But I think I'm pretty sure it seemed good to me. So we were watching Nacho Libre. My kids were scrolling through Amazon. They pointed it out because they, the, his outfit looked funny on the thing, you know, and they thought that's, that might be funny. And I was like, I remember that in high school. I have no idea what it was like, but let's try it. So we turn on Nacho Libre. So this is what your pastor does when he sits around his family. You think we're like, you know, Bible study and worship, you know, we're watching Nacho Libre. Okay, I'm Friday night, uh, and, and so we're watching Nacho Libre, and, and there's this funny scene where Jack Black, he, cli- he wants these special powers so he can be a superhero, super wrestler guy, you know, and, and uh, he climbs to the top of this mountain in an effort to get this eagle egg that he heard would give him superpowers, all right, so he climbs to the top of the mountain, and, and uh, he cracks, he gets all the way up there, he cracks this egg, and then he just shoves it all up in his face, you know, and he just starts puking everywhere, he just throws it in his face, and he's trying to, oh, there we go, yeah, 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 he's, he's trying to get this egg, because he was told it would give him supernatural, he calls them eagle powers, okay, uh, he takes the egg, he, he jumps back into the water, he goes into his next wrestling match, uh, he's getting beat up as always, so like the theme of the movie is he just gets beat up all the time, which is why I think my kids thought it was so funny, and, uh, and he's getting beat up, and he's, he tries to summon the eagle powers. And he says, oh, you know, eagle powers come to me, you know. And he thinks because he went and did this special thing with the egg that now he's going to have these supernatural powers. And all of a sudden he realizes that they're not working. And he just, he's like, eagle powers come to me. And the guy just mocks him, you know, and he falls down to the ground. And he's begging for the eagle powers, but he just keeps getting beat up. They don't work. And then he's mad at his friend who told him that if he climbs to the top of the mountain, he'll get special eagle powers and he'll be able to be a superhero. And Unfortunately, that's the same idea sometimes we have about spirituality and living a supernatural life, is that there's this special thing, this special egg, this special experience that if I get a hold of that, I'm going to have a supernatural vitality of a life. I'm going to live a supernatural, super powerful life with God. We should make Nacho Libre our eighth core value, all right? So... Uh, so that you guys can understand this, that this is the kind of the idea that we're running with is like, yo, I have this, I'm looking for this supernatural thing that allows me to live this supernatural life. But here's the, as if you could just flip a switch. But here's what I'm after right now that is so important is that God has given us some means, ordinary, regular things we ought to do that create and position ourselves for a supernatural life. 
But it takes devotion to these things day in and day out to position ourselves to receive and walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But because you and I are so often looking for some experience, I just want to flip a switch. I just want to be this person. I just want to have this experience with God. We're so often looking for some quick hit because that's what we're discipled to do. You don't even realize how often, because of the way the world works, your mind and soul are being trained for quick hits. So if the quick hit doesn't come, then you're confused. You don't know what to do. And we're looking for this supernatural thing with God based off this huge experience that we want to have with him. And the Lord's like, no, 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 this is how it works. If you wake up and read your Bible, the Spirit of God will come alive in your life. You know what, if you devoted some time to prayer and you did that a little bit more every day and you devoted yourself to the word of God a little bit more every day and you actually did these normal things like you took the ability to read or listen to the word and you just applied it in your day-to-day life and if you just sat still before me and prayed even a little bit that as you do these things, actually you become a supernatural person. You grow in supernatural power and the spirit of God works mightily in people like this, but because we're so obsessed with the quick hit, and we're so obsessed with some supernatural experience, I just flip a switch, we don't have the devotion and the commitment to put in the practices that lead to a supernatural life. But it takes commitment to the word of God, commitment to prayer, devoted to these things, actually gives us the access point. But you're too busy trying to climb the rock and grab that special egg and flip the switch and all of a sudden have this great relationship with God when it just doesn't work that way. But God has given us these ordinary means by which we experience a supernatural world and a supernatural reality within our heart. These two things are the word of God and prayer. Look at what he says here. Jesus gets more specific. So he says, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And then he says, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. What, what is spirit and life? He says, the words, the words I have spoken to you. Meaning, if you will listen, receive, meditate on, and live according to my words, your life will be full of spirit and life. He says, my words are spirit. My words are life. If you live according to my words, you will come fully alive to Jesus. You will come fully alive to the reality of your existence. I want you to think of it like spiritual CPR. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God. And when I engage with the scriptures, I am engaging with the very breath of God, and he is breathing in me life from my spirit. In the same way that I need to be resuscitated if I am unconscious and people do CPR to bring my body back to life, so it is with the word of God. It is the very thing that resuscitates us and breathes the breath, the supernatural breath of God into our souls. This is when those of you who are reading the Bible and you got your box and you got it all sorted out need to be open to the breath of God breathing and blowing in your life as you read the word and as he engages with you as a person. That the Lord wants to interact with you, wants to breathe the life of God into you. Jesus said also, John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
So if you abide in me and my words, he says, what are the means by which by supernatural life? How can I pray in supernatural ways? Why is it that it seems like some other people always get certain prayers answered? Why does it seem like some people when they pray, they're bringing heaven down? Why? Why? Well, it's because those people abide in the words of God. They're filled with God's words, so then they pray accordingly. And he says, look, if you will abide in my words, you will ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That the power of your prayer life is connected to your devotion to the word of God. And if you are devoted to God's word, then you will know what God thinks. And when he says, whatever you wish, what he means is, now what you wish is what I want. You're so connected to me that when you pray whatever you wish, you're praying whatever I want. And if you pray what I want, it'll get done. And that's a powerful life of prayer. This is what God is offering us, but you're praying what you want because you're not connected enough to know what he wants. You're just guessing as opposed to being submitted to the word of God, getting God's thoughts constantly just going in and throughout your body. You know, the reason I know what my wife wants more than any of you is because I talk to her more than any of you. The reason why I would have a really good hunch as to what she would want in a certain moment or what things would work out the best or what would be best for her is because I spend time with her more than any of you. And so it is with God. The reason why you might be so unclear on what God wants or your prayers don't have authority and confidence is because you're not committed to the word of God to know what he wants. So you're just praying your prayers, you're just feeling things, you're praying for your needs. And listen, as we talked about before, better to pray than not to pray. So learn to pray and stumble around and pray. I'm not saying those are bad prayers, I'm just saying you can grow in your authority and confidence in prayer because then whatever you wish becomes whatever you want and you pray with power when your words and your prayers are filled with God's word. Word, prayer, and spirit. Let me give you one more example. Ephesians chapter 6, at the end of it, he's talking about the armor of God and how we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we are in the middle of a spiritual battle against spiritual powers and rulers of spiritual realms, and we need to have the armor of God, and he gives us a list, and then at the end he gives us two weapons we wield. So there's a whole list of armor that's defensive. It protects you from the attack, but then you get two weapons get two weapons to wield in your spiritual battles. Here are your two weapons. Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Word, spirit, prayer. Your two weapons that you are wielding to affect spiritual realities are not your personality and natural gifts, resources, and connections. It is the word of God and prayer. Look at this. The so okay, you just please think about this for a second. Wow, it's like, it's like oh, oh, wow, I didn't know I could do that. This is the voice of God, you know? <laughs> Read my word. Yeah, okay, great. So, <clears throat> that's funny. All right, so you see this, it says the sword, of the, the sword of the spirit. Okay, so think about this, like Star Wars lightsaber, you know? If I could access all the power of the Holy Spirit, okay, who was hovering over the waters and made the whole world come alive, I can grab all of that power and I can wield it like a sword. He said, how do I do that? How do I grab the supernatural power that upholds the universe and use it in my own life? How do I do that? The sword of the spirit, which is? The word of God. 
And I take the word of God and I start wielding it in my life. And I start cutting down strongholds and defeating sin and praying over my children and taking out demonic influences. And I'm taking the sword of the spirit and I'm taking all the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that creates worlds and the power that brings people to life. I'm grabbing all of that into my hand and I'm wielding it in my life. And I'm living with effectiveness and power because the sword of the spirit, the tip of the spear, the power of the Christian life is in the word of God that you're not supposed to hold and meditate on, just give it for yourself, but you're supposed to carry like a weapon to take down the enemy. This is what God has given us. He says it's the sword of the spirit. And how often do we just leave ourselves swordless and we walk throughout the life thinking because I know certain things or because I've been raised in church or this and that, I can handle myself. And we walk around swordless and then we wonder why we get caught up so much. It is your weapon. It is your offensive attack. It's the only thing that you have to take to the enemy. He says if you do this, you will wield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you have to understand the reason why this is important is because you're fighting against demonic spiritual influences, right? You think about your parents, like you're raising, how are you going to handle, how are you going to raise these kids? The demons of the world and the culture of the world and spiritual forces are speaking and leading and influencing your children. And then you're just going to sit there and say, hey, don't have sex before you're married and think that's going to do it? It's not. It's not. You have to go on the offense. You have to take the word of God and start wielding it to protect and lead your children. It's the same is true with each other. You think just platitudes are going to work? You think good feelings and good vibes are going to work? You think going to church just now is going to work? No, 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 no. You don't even realize the power of what you're up against. And if you realize the power of what's coming at you, what's coming at your children, the things that want to take you down, if you if you took one second and realized the spiritual nature of your life, then you would be grabbing this Bible and you'd be singing it and praying it and memorizing it. You'd be so desperate for it because you know you don't stand a chance without it. But we just give it like two minutes because we think it's a self-help book that just helps me think right about my life. No, 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 no. If you don't have the word of God, you are walking around without your sword. And if you do not have your sword, you cannot protect yourself. I just can't, I just, it's that desperate, like, we just think about it so wrong, like, I just want to get a little quiet time in, or I just want to do it so I don't feel bad about myself, or I just try to check off the boxes so I can tell somebody I did it, and it's because we don't realize the desperate situation that we're in, and how much we need the Word of God just to make it in this life. It is your weapon, and look, at he says prayer, word and prayer, praying, all, how, how am I supposed to pray? In the Spirit. I'm supposed to pray connected to the Spirit. How do I do that? By knowing the Word of God. How can I make sure my prayers are in the Spirit when I pray them according to the Word? That's how. When I pray with a conscious realization that this is a spiritual thing and I'm not just bringing a list before God or bringing my needs to Him, which are important, and you can do that. But it's just to take a moment to realize Romans 8.25, and the Spirit prays for me when I don't even know what to pray, that I'm engaging with the Holy Spirit as I bring something before God. This is a spiritual activity. 
It's not just something I check off or something I do because I'm a Christian. I'm consciously aware of his presence with me, that the Spirit of God is with me, and that he's praying for me, and that as I approach the throne of God, we're praying together. And as we pray together, the world will be shaken with the power of God. I mean, if we don't believe that, we just close up shop. Like, we just got to know a good band or good, none of those things don't do anything. They're helpful and they're great. We want to do the best we can. But it's the power of the Spirit with a group of people who know the Word and who pray that affects supernatural realities around us. It's not resources. You could tell, I tell the staff this all the time. As we grow and we have more money or more people or all the things that everyone say, well, that's a success. That's the most dangerous place to be because all of a sudden you start depending on those things. What started in a desperate attempt just to love God and to pray and to feel so confused and out of order and you're just seeking the Lord and walking by the Spirit turns into this thing you can manage and divvy up and resource and respond to. And all of a sudden you're trying to do supernatural work with just worldly means because you have them. It's the danger for all of us. We cannot give in to that. We will always, if we had a bazillion, bazillion dollars, be more dependent on prayer than ever on money. This is the kind of people we must be. And that's my rant for today, okay? I'm sweating a lot. All right. I asked my wife after the second service, I mean, first service, like, is it hot in here or is it just me? You know, I wanted her to say, oh, it's you, baby. Yeah, you're, you know, like, hey, but she didn't. She didn't do that. So it's just you. She, like, patted me. She's like, you're sweating. I'm like, I know, I know. All right. So here's what I want to do to close this out is just to read a few verses from Acts to show you <coughs> The realities of a supernatural church with word and prayer. And the band, y'all can go ahead and come up as we do this. So I just want to close with these, I think it's eight verses, all right? So uh, what does it look like to be a supernatural church? Well, it's to be a people of the word, the spirit, and prayer. Let me show you based on the Bible. Don't take my word for it. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power. I want you to read it when, I, when the what? Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Acts 1.14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 2.4, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? When I pause, that means you read it, all right? Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching, which is the word of God, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and what? Prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed... I need a teacher up here to explain this, okay? When I pause, you say it. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Acts 6, 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, they're not on the screen. Is that why? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I have judged you inappropriately. I repent, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm reading too fast. Acts 6, 7, and the word of God continued to increase. How did the disciples multiply greatly? Well, the word increased. Great many of priests became obedient. Acts 9, 31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace, was being built up, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It is up there, okay? No excuses. Comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. You guys get the point? 
we have to continue to be this. And I think the only reason we've seen any fruit is because we've tried to do it. So praise God for you. I want to say thank you. I mean, what a wonderful group of people that you are, that we would commit to this together. And may we continue to be devoted to being a people of word, spirit, and prayer. Because listen, I don't want to produce what the world can produce. I want to see supernatural results. You too? Yes, let's see that, all right? So let's pray. Let's respond to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. We ask now that you would lead us by your spirit, that we would be a people devoted to you, to prayer and to the word, and that we would live supernatural lives. This would be a supernatural church that has a supernatural effect on the world around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't y'all